Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and traces from technologies like Istio, AppMesh, and Envoy. Plus, Datadog's service map automatically plots out the dependencies in your microservices architectures for seamless, context-rich troubleshooting. With rich visualizations, algorithmic alerting, and more than 250 vendor-supported integrations, Datadog allows you to monitor your distributed applications in real time. Start a free 14-day trial today by visiting datadog.com cloudcast and Datadog will send you a great free t-shirt. That's datadog.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Good to be back with everybody. We are almost to the end of July. We are almost into August, the dog days of summer, as they say. Actually, some of the news, Cloud News of the Week is starting to come back after a kind of a slow week last week where we had to backtrack on some things because not a lot got announced. But we've got a number of things for Cloud News of the Week, so why don't we just get right to it? First thing is GitHub announced a public roadmap. So public product roadmap for GitHub uh, stored and uh, hosted out on GitHub. But beginning to see this from some of the major um, cloud services, right? We've seen this a little bit with AWS. We see it a little bit. Uh, now we're seeing it with GitHub. It is nice to, especially in places where people aren't 100% sure about, you know, kind of future of what's going on uh, in GitHub, GitHub's case, you know, are they going to remain independent? Are they going to be tied more to Azure? Um, so, so a really nice job by the GitHub team. I took a, a dive through it. Uh, Erica Bouchard um, talked about uh, this in a, in a blog post today. So good to see that from the GitHub team. Second, and this was uh, this is about a week or so old. I think we just sort of missed this, uh, maybe because we were on vacation. Um, Oracle announced something they called Oracle Dedicated Region Cloud at Customer. And this is essentially, if you want the Oracle Cloud uh, on-premise or in some location, like a colo location, um, Oracle will bring the entire thing to you. So this is sort of an interesting trend. I know we've seen some things in the past. We've things, seen things like uh, Azure Stack and AWS Outpost that bring something on-prem for you, but then they don't provide all of the services of the cloud. They provide a subset. Well, this is all of the services of the Oracle cloud, uh, including all of the HCM, uh, CRM, ERP, you know, full autonomous database thing. So sort of an interesting thing for Oracle. Um, <clears throat> it's the pricing and the kind of capacity is a little bit vague in, in places. The pricing is, as they say, $500,000 a month, but they don't necessarily give all the details of what's included in that. But uh, interesting to see Oracle start to take a little bit different approach. Uh, they had done um, like Exadata and Exa, Exa things a while ago where they brought you like a rack. Now they're bringing you an entire entire data center, racks, uh, services, all those sort of things fully managed. So that's sort of interesting uh, announcement from Oracle Cloud. The third thing on our list is we're starting to get into earnings season. I thought we were going to have all the earnings out. We're going to miss a couple of them by a couple of days. We'll cover them next week. But uh, both Microsoft and IBM announced their earnings. So Microsoft, we'll just touch on the Azure part of it, uh, announced um, a run rate of now over $50 billion for what they call intelligent cloud. Um, that includes you know things like Office 365. It includes Azure Cloud and so forth. The Azure piece was announced as being up 47%. Uh, this was down slightly and just in terms of like percentage growth, they were up 59% last quarter. So down a little bit, um, you know, not sure if that's due to, you know, uh, a little less usage because of COVID or if it's because of some of the things that we heard about uh, the Azure cloud having some capacity uh, slowdowns or, you know, availability. Uh, but anyway, still a very, very healthy quarter for the Azure team um, and up above $50 billion run rate. So uh, it's becoming, as they say, 
pretty big business, a few billion here, a few billion there, and all of a sudden you got a big number. And then finally, IBM announced their earnings. Um, their cloud numbers were up 13% uh, on a $22 billion run rate. Uh, the Red Hat part of the business is up uh, 18 to 20%, I believe it was. So uh, healthy quarter for IBM. Uh, again, you know, some guidance around COVID, but uh, good to see the cloud business there growing as well. So we will get to both the Google announcements and the uh, AWS announcements next week as they come out in the next few days. Uh, the good news is uh, we won't have to say anything bad about Amazon or AWS um, because if we ever want to be a apparently Amazon podcast, you are not allowed to say anything bad about Amazon. So it's very likely that uh, the Cloudcast will never be an Amazon podcast, but that's okay. There are plenty of other ways to get the Cloudcast. So we're going to have a fun show this week, uh, really good personality. Uh, I'll just leave it as Pop is coming to, to join us here right after the break. We're going to talk about secure DevSecOps right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by StrongDM. Are you managing your remote team as they work from home? Managing a gazillion SSH keys, database passwords, and Kubernetes certs? Meet StrongDM. Manage and audit access to servers, databases, and Kubernetes clusters, no matter where your employees are. With StrongDM, easily extend your identity provider to manage infrastructure access, automate onboarding, offboarding, and moving people within roles. Grant temporary access that automatically expires to on-call teams. Your admins get full auditability into anything anyone does. When they connect, what queries they run, what commands they typed, it's full visibility into everything. For SSH, RDP, and Kubernetes, that means video replays. For databases, it's a single unified query log across all database management systems. StrongDM is used by companies like Hearst, Peloton, Betterment, Greenhouse, and SoFi to manage access. It's more control and less hassle. Start your free 14-day trial today at strongdm.com cloudcast. That's strongdm.com cloudcast. StrongDM, manage and audit remote access to your infrastructure. And we're back. And folks, you know, one of the topics that we love to kind of dig into and sometimes causes us some confusion because, you know, we've covered DevOps for a long time. And then, you know, we get into the nuances of, you know, what makes DevOps successful and, and then, you know, how does it actually work in, in production where, where people care about what they're doing? They're not just kind of hello world things or measuring things by just purely number of releases is we start to get into sort of DevSecOps or securing DevOps or sort of, you know, bringing it to, to real life and production. And so we thought we'd dig into that a little bit today and excited to have Dan Papandrea or Pop. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I love how uh, you're using some puns already with, uh, you know, dig. We're going to dig with uh, the guy from Sysdig. I got yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So uh, field CTO at Sysdig. And I've kind of gotten to know you a little bit in that I've been listening to your your podcast, the Popcast, um, with a lot of really, really good folks. So for folks that maybe aren't listening to Popcast or maybe don't know you, give us a little bit of your background and kind of uh, what got you into this cloud native space. Oh, yeah, no problem. So um, I was a director of IT for an investment software company for a number of years. Prior to that, I worked at Comedy Central Television Network. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, and, and and basically, I ended up moving over to uh, a sales role, uh, basically, because we had this flagship product that was an in-memory database that was extrapolating data, like was, you know, positions and pricing and all this data, and ended up being pulled into so many sales calls. They're like, I ah, just move over to sales. So I did that. For a number of years and then i was a product manager when we were moving this you know this flagship product over to a cloud pro product and i just fell in love with you know just cloud paradigm cloud native um then i ended, ended up at uh, hpe and uh, we sold the, basically the um the portfolio which is called helion which was like openstack 
it's probably a common theme you've heard yeah. in the past is like you know people starting in that OpenStack, which was that promise of you know IaaS being able to have a developer click a button and have you know resources available and then i discovered containers and i'm like this is it i love this and i want to be part of this world and I, you know got involved with sysdig and uh been with sysdig for the last uh, almost four years very cool. Very cool. And field CTO. So obviously out talking to lots and lots of companies directly and, and kind of kind of getting in front of what they're doing. So quick before we dive into to kind of your area of expertise, give folks the the 30 seconds on uh, on Popcast. I I got to know it because I work with a guy named uh, Brian Redbeard and uh, some other folks from CoreOS and you were interviewing him and I was like, cool, what is this show? I hadn't heard about it and uh, I'm, I'm hooked. So give us the, the 30 second on on the good work you're doing over there too. Thank you. And like I say, I'm a big fan of your show as well. So, you know, thanks for having me on. But yeah. basically the podcast in, in short is basically like I want to connect folks with the people behind the code. Right. Really, you know, like try, it's almost if you remember like MTV Cribs. Right. It was like, you know, you got to see like, you know, how like Snoop Dogg's refrigerator looked like. But basically like <laughs> for people that are coding. Right. So, um, you know, uh, that was the, that's the principle. And also, I just love the community. You know, you got to, you know, like 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 you all just being at conferences and seeing folks and and, you know, this community is in a, in a great one. And there's some great folks working on some wonderful and amazing, brilliant you know projects and all that. So being able to go in and talk to them uh, has been fantastic. And we've you know, we've had 25 episodes. I mean, we had the Godfathers of Kubernetes on. We had Redbeard, and you know, Redbeard, I pretty much like hassled for like I don't know twenty episodes until he came on or whatever. But it felt like twenty, it was but it was like eleven. But um, you know, it was a lot of fun. We had Kelsey Hightower on as well, and you know, just a bunch of great people. And I just I'm so proud of the show and how 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 it's done. It's just been phenomenal. So yeah, it's good stuff. And and you dig into you know kind of. Not only the origin of some of how stuff got built, but uh, you know the personalities of some of these folks who are who are uh, interesting characters amongst themselves. So yeah, it's a it's a good listen. Um, you know, we're always looking to expand out on stuff where we learn from. So definitely add it to your uh, your podcast players. Um, I mentioned DevSecOps or or secure DevOps in the in the introduction. You know, we we lived through we we've kind of gone through different iterations of of DevOps, um, and and for some people. It just sort of works. Others struggle with it, um, and and the struggle in a lot of cases is is security. Like it was, you know, oh, we 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 were ready to go deploy stuff, and then security stepped in and said, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. Like, where are we with this sort of the mixing of security and DevOps, and and you know what, what's going on in this space? I mean, you know, the thing that uh, we we talk about is we talk about you know secure DevOps and I think what it is is that you know secure DevOps is a workflow and like DevSecOps is a function okay. so you know it includes like security for lifecycle like your Im, you know image scanning runtime and IR but if you're thinking about these processes you really want to have like a kind of a full uh, you know spectrum basically from your build all the way to your post mortem and so like when you think about DevSecOps it really also is like a cultural change as well. Right. You need, you know, folks to be like, you know, uh, you know th this concept of DevSecOps doesn't just start with because in the past, if you saw it, it was like these these dev teams were procrastinating on security because they were like, they're going to slow us down. Right. right if we right. if we include the security teams, it's going to slow us down. So they didn't have the ability to embed the security, get this comfort level on compliance, monitoring all of those things. I mean, you know, we did a study like O'Reilly conducted a, you know, like a, a adoption survey before COVID. It had 88% of organizations were using cloud infrastructure in some form. And they reported that we're going to move their applications within a year. And so being able to like have that embedded security is moving those things over. So, 
um, you know, at the end of the day, in terms of like overall, like, you know, DevSecOps, it's, you know, and what we call a secure DevOps, secure DevOps, it's, it's basically to, to us, it's a, it's a workflow and it's something that a culture has to adhere to, to kind of, you know, get to the next step when it comes to this and, and, and involve the security teams, the ones that I've worked on with companies that have been successful at it had involved the security teams from jump. And it's, but it's hard, you know, because again, they're thinking this is going to allow us, this is going to allow us to, you know, it's, it's basically going to slow us down, but you know, it just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. If it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's the equivalent of like, I want to get on the low carb diet, but I also sort of love pizza and, and you just, you know, you, you have to go find that, you know, it, what are you trying to achieve and what are you willing to give up? And, and I think, um, I, I like that we've sort of moved past DevSecOps or secure DevOps as just kind of like, hey, we threw the word in, so it's it'll just happen. And and now people are are codifying it. They're putting a set of tools around it. So like you said, it does become it's a workflow. It's something you can look at and, and go, okay, that's that's gonna be successful. That has all the elements that you need to be successful. So if you think about that diet analogy, like secure DevOps is pretty much like the stevia, right? It's going to give you that sugar rush, right? That whole monk yeah. fruit taste, and, you know, it's going to get you past there, but it's going to be none of that, those uh, carbs that you crave. Right, so. right. So let, let's talk about it in the context of containers, because it's, um, you know, we're obviously we're seeing containers, Kubernetes uh, kind of taking off. Um, it's kind of becoming the, the technology of choice for these more agile application teams. Um, there's stuff in the container world that, that feels sort of secure by nature, right? So like we can scan containers, we can sign them, uh, you can lock down content, you know, which registry it comes from. And yet we still sort of struggle with containers because it's a, it's a user space technology. And, and for a lot of, I don't know, application teams, they were used to getting like root access to the whole box and full access to stuff like how are people adapting to this idea that maybe you only get container space, you know, or user space and, and how do I make containers work in that world? Whereas maybe before I had full access to the box. Um, and again, it's a really great point. And what I will say to that is, is I did a talk, uh, at escape 2019, um, escape was a show. It was like a multi-cloud, uh, cockroach DB, uh, cockroach DB put it on. Okay. And it was, it was a great, great show. And I, you know, I could put a link for, for your listeners to, I'll give yeah, you a link for that. But basically the thing to think about is, you know, it isn't just vulnerability scanning on production scan. You have to look at, again, that overall workflow, meaning if you're embedding security, you're looking at runtime protection, you're looking at post-mortem functions as well, because, you know, having these immutable systems, you still need to be able to see things like, you know, you know, minor like if you look at like if you're using public cloud or private cloud you you know there might be some you know folks trying to use like you know crypto jacking functions and all those yep. things so you have to have like a runtime piece so what i did in this escape talk was basically i deployed the the vendor who put on the show's you know image and the vulnerability scan was just fine okay. however on on stage i hacked into their config file and allowed anyone to come in and and make the changes to their config file, you know, passwords or whatever to be able to show that, look, vulnerability scanning is great. If you do not have a full level of workflow, it's it's really not going to enhance your, enhance your, you know, capabilities and also like modern capabilities. And one of the things, too, I will say is we just launched this thing called Sysdig Essentials, which is pretty awesome. It's basically like five workflows for security. So if you're trying to think about that whole holistic view, like whole word DevSec, the secure DevOps on a workflow, you have all this in like a five minute setup. You install our agent in one minute and then you have all of this in an onboarded setup. So we're basically securing you from your registries 
your your the the underlying host. We do a baseline scan of the underlying hosts that are running containers. Then we do uh, runtime and visibility, all with one agent and one immutable backend. So it's it's um, it's pretty amazing. And again, it's going to help those folks that are thinking about making that leap over, and they're like, how do I involve my security team, but also be able to like you know speed speedily speedily is that even a word? Yeah, pretty speed speedily deploy out these applications fast. Yeah. So. Yeah, very cool. So, so for folks maybe that don't know Sysdig, um, you know, if you've been around the CNC, CNCF events, the Kubernetes events, you you you've seen the Sysdig folks around. But like maybe for folks who don't know Sysdig, give us the quick overview on you know where you fit into that you know set of security tools that are gonna uh, you know allow you to keep going fast, but also make sure you're secure. So I'll start with our founder. Our founder is Loris DiGiovanni, who's one of the, the people that had founded, if anyone's uh, listeners aware of like TCP Dumper Wireshark. Okay. And so he's one of the key original developers of this. And so what we have is the ability to tap into kernel to really help you confidently secure and or run you know, your your, dev, your dev, DevOps and Kubernetes kind of deployments and, and, and containerized works, workloads. And that's what we do. We basically have this SaaS deployment um, for essentials that you can, and also we can do it on prem as well um, of, of these uh, components to be able to really, you know, uh, give you a complete kind of uh, workflow for, for, you know, devs, uh, secure DevOps. Okay. Yeah, very cool. And and there's a there's a technology that folks talk about a lot that's called Falco. Um, like I'm not a security folks, so sometimes you know when I dig into it, like stuff doesn't always make sense. What's what does Falco do, and, and kind of why is it? Why are people sort of uh, attracted to it? Sort of love this this idea of what it does. So Falco is our one of our projects in the CNCF. Um, it's not a graduated product; it's an incubated project at this point. But basically, what it is is a behavioral kind of uh, behavioral runtime rules engine that you can apply to your environment and be able to set rules like you know somebody terminaling into a container or somebody writing to a sensitive directory, right? And having this stream that you can send out to your downstream you know uh, event management systems, either you know that you've built like a Splunk or some of those other tools. So that's that's kind of what what we do, and why it's gained such amazing uh, adoption is its ease of use. Is you can have this, and then you have this this readily language that you can kind of tweak for all of this like real time detection, all that. And what what's part of that? That basically is the engine for our commercial products. So if you think about what I talked about in the essentials deployment, you're getting all of those kind of underlying security, monitor, compliance based based off of this amazing kind of open source foundation that we've done. Uh, which is again like that's that's why we've you know we're part of like the CNCF uh, you know from that project forward or whatever is because our capabilities are really grounded in open source just like if you think about like Red Hat if you think about really grounded in open source um, and then building like a commercial foothold on top of that. Okay, so um, so in a, in a past life I did some things with like with like IDS and, and intrusion detection like. Compare and contrast those, you know, Falco to, to those things, right? Those things were very signature based. They sort of expected that the hosts were going to be vulnerable and they sort of knew what to look for. Like, what do these new generations look for, especially when, quote unquote, environments are kind of immutable, like containers you don't necessarily touch. But, you know, talk about what goes wrong and, and what it does maybe in that context. Is that is that a, a kind of a comparison you see a lot? 
you know those and the heads and those type of thing host intrusion detection all of those we, yeah, we we hear that a lot but, but we're kernel based and we're more behavioral okay so that means that there's a full set of rules that you you know you get out of the box either with our you know a, a open source tool or commercial and so it's more of not just like things like oh somebody touched this file or you know somebody terminal in it's also like hey I have this tapping into, you know, the cube audit stream. So if somebody created a namespace or somebody created a user that they shouldn't have, I want to get notified of that because maybe I do want to, you know, create and have an admission controller or something of like that ilk stop that from happening. Or I have an image of some sort. And, you know, like this is something again, that like we, we, we can tap into conventions of admission controls to be able to do, but it's basically that function to be able to say, okay, I don't want to allow this in my environment because I want to ensure my configuration is pristine. So that's kind of what, what you do with our tool versus like a normal, like kids or something Gotcha. Like gotcha. So yeah, the, and, and the behavioral piece is the interesting thing because the, the other ones were very based on known signatures. You constantly had to sort of make sure you were downloading the most recent ones. And, and if it was a new attack, you were kind of, kind of SOL because it wasn't going to be in that library of, of known attacks. The behavioral stuff sounds like it's much more of like, we know things that are good behaviors. We know what are bad behaviors or suspect. And, and we're looking more for that than, than maybe, you know, a, a fingerprint or a, or a known uh, kind of entity type of thing. And the language we have is basically looking at very sim- similar kind of conventions, meaning like you could look at this and say, OK, I want to be able to list these things as I want to understand like this file descriptor. OK. And if I have that and I have I can basically create regex for that so I can have different types of you know, f- the functions for that. So here's an example that we have, a sample rule that we have, like you can basically set up a rule for. Um, specific network tools that are allowed on your Kubernetes environment. So if somebody spins up a container, which is again used as un- immutable and it goes up, I could basically stop that container if I see NCAT. And then what's great about it is we can create a capture, which is very similar to what you think about with, you know, a, a like a Wireshark. Instead of every single network packet getting capped into a uh, PCAP file, we have something called an SCAP file, which is basically every single system call that happened when you went in and, and had that NCAT. So you can understand like what somebody did when they NCAT it out, like, and use it, use that to get, you know, details about that, that network, which you wouldn't, which if you're thinking about something that's running in, you know, host level, you know, it's not, you know, we're able to interpret that at the user level because we're tapping into the kernel functions to be able to do that. If you think of functions like eBPF, which is, you know, which is out, out of the box kernel functionality, it's a helper that lets you do that. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it makes makes a lot of sense. And and again, you know, we're we're now dealing with with the different beast in containers. And so the the way you have to think about uh, you know, kind of dealing with these these attacks and these problems has to be different. So very, very cool. Um, you know, we we talked a little bit about, you know, kind of the the shift that we saw from from DevOps to, you know, people throwing sec, you know, DevSecOps into things. Like you get a chance to talk to a lot of companies that are that are trying to make these transitions. You you probably talk to as many application teams as you do security teams, like what are some of the things that uh, they do well? Like how do you, how do you convince the the security folks to start kind of sitting, you know, being co-located, shifting left with the application teams? Like how do those conversations happen? How do you make them feel comfortable that, you know, they're going to be able to adapt to these environments? 
I think a lot of times if they're accepting rules as code is a big thing. So basically understanding that these concepts are not, they're not like foreign concepts to one another. It's the same idea as doing access controls on a, on a network device, right? It's the same, uh, same concept there. So meaning like a lot of the, the successful ones are basically including the, you know, the security team, or they have some type of like, you know, instant response team. That's basically looking at it and going, well, here's what they are. But a lot of the, the newer, you know, companies that like have the, you know, this kind of that, uh, this, this, this concept already, they're already kind of thinking in terms of DevOps for it. Now, if you think about, you know, enterprises, yeah, a lot of the enterprise you're interacting with don't really understand this concept. There's the security team and the other ones on the other room. But if you show, if you embed security, like as we do, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's really, you know, it's be able to say, wow, you're already having all these features. And also we have this, you know, this pedigree from Wireshark. They're already using the tool from a security perspective. They're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Like, you know, the, these are things that like I can be able to, I can really have the thing because I, I'm not just looking at this as a vulnerability management. I'm looking at it as a workflow perspective because network teams, you know, excuse me, security teams don't, like they don't want to be, you know, the stick in the mud, but yep. they also want to be able to like have the, the same workflows that they have now to be able to troubleshoot like on a specific host that has security issues. They want to have vulnerability management. They want to have host level, uh, in, you know, host level uh, uh, benchmarking to ensure it's compliant. Applications are compliant. They want to make sure that also they have, you know, a forensic capability to be able to really like run time and see like, here's my, here's my kind of signals. And be able to tell me exactly like what happened at, at a playback. So that's kind of where we see advantage to that. But when when customers, I you know, I see again going back to that thing we talked about earlier, you know, secure DevOps is a workflow. It is you know, it's not a function. If the the true successful companies we've seen, it's a culture shift. It's like the the security teams are involved with the DevOps teams. They understand it's not somebody pushing code. It's okay. I'm going to push this code as part of this code. I'm going to guarantee the configuration policy doesn't have you know root level access open or you know port 22 open for you know specific things that resonates because what we try to do is i won't have a meeting to be honest with you um you know with a customer that i just have the devops team involved if i'm if it's a security thing and we we try to get the security teams involved and say look there's something in it for you here you need to understand that this is a workflow that you can be involved in. It's not just somebody pushing something to a repository and then you all have to kind of protect it. It's like we can protect you from there and also we can protect you after it's it's moved up there. And that's also, again, where like, you know, this essentials launch that we just put out is just going to have all of these basic like five things out of the box for you already. So things that you would want to think about. So I did a talk about, you know, uh, this to, um, you know, uh, we did a basically like the top five considerations with booz allen and uh you know it's another link i can send you as well which is re- it was really well received so we basically did a whole we attacked everything from every end of the pipeline from your you know your cloud uh you know your 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 scanning container signing we had OWASP set up for the host we had it doing lightkeeper for you know like just you know signatures we even had it doing runtime protection we had all that happen we attacked to the every level of the pipeline that resonated so much because we had security teams looking at it and saying, oh, my God, you guys have thought about all of these pieces, pieces. And Booz Allen was not only using, you know, our commercial tool, they were using open source tools. They were using Falco. They were using, you know, Claire. They were using, you know, you know, you know, uh, OWASP, like, you know, like people with Google. So they were doing a lot of different things. So, yeah, I mean, it's 
uh, that was a long-winded way of saying like we just you know like it, it is a culture change and there's things that you just need to you know think about it holistically versus just like okay i'm gonna try i'm this is you know, DevSecOps. Uh, it's a function. It's a workflow. It's not a function. Yeah. I, anytime I'm learning new stuff or I'm trying to to get across new kind of concepts, I'm always looking for analogies. So I, I'm curious. You're you're a sports fan. Um, you know the people always say you know the the best games are the ones where you don't know that the that the umpire was there. You don't know that the referee was there, which basically means like they didn't make a bad call. They weren't egregiously bad. Like. When you start seeing these these teams, you know, do secure DevOps well, you know, obviously the the application teams are going to be, you know, kind of, uh, you know, talking about how many cool features they got and how fast they shipped. Like, is the is the security group in that case like hell yeah they're not our, they're not telling me we stink they're you know they're not talking about us badly or like what's the kind of what's the vibe that comes out of the security people that are now in that team? Do they, or do they just sort of take on the the vibe of the application team? And they're like, Hey man, I was part of us shipping 10 times a day or, you know, n- not missing compliance three times in a row or something like how do how does the vibe come out of that in terms of them talking about what they did? The successful companies that have implemented Cystic, for instance, have embedded that security. I keep on talking about that concept of embedded security, but I think it's 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 right there because, like you said, it's like they're part of that process. They're seeing a, a you know a tool that's unobtrusive that gives them an audit trail that that is part of the DevOps function when they're pushing uh you know a package or you know a cassette of containers or a manifest together. It's already it's already taken into consideration the security teams. Uh, you know, thoughts, right? They've already kind of, we've already commingled those things in place. And then they also have this comfort level because they have this audit trail. So they can say something didn't come out of that. Then we already know the hosts are compliant. We know the applications are compliant because we have, you know, policies and vulnerability places in in play, but also we have this peace of mind piece with having like, you know, underlying piece, which is Falco, but it's, it's built into our security tool, having this completely embedded, the ones that again that we've seen be successful are the ones that feel like they're they're part of that overall full process. They understand what DevOps, you know, they understand how to push, you know, what the what the mechanics are for pushing a, you know an application out, and they've embedded the security in all pieces of that. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I think that's I think that's important. I mean, it's the, the the less you have people thinking about, you know, kind of what does our org chart look like and so forth and, and, and focusing on, you know, did we make the business successful? Do we make an application successful? And, and you're including those groups in, you know, in your successes or failure, I think is, is the right way to do that. Um, let, let me ask you one last question. Uh, we, you know, we've talked about sort of the things to, to make things right. What are some of the, I don't know, two or three common mistakes that you're seeing from, you know, from probably especially existing companies that weren't, you know, designed around this culture from day one, they're kind of adapting it. What are, you know, what are some mistakes that people could could maybe try and avoid or that you see commonly? I so I did a uh, podcast with recently with Maya uh, Kicharowski from Git GitHub, and okay. you know, if we were talking about the same concept, and it was basically like people try to boil the goddamn ocean with with um, you know their security, their de- you know the secure DevSecOps function, but also even just deploying applications. They wanted to scan, they wanted to do this, this, and this. It's like okay. You know, make sure you have practices in place. So first, again, it's that culture change. The other part is embedding the security, like we talked about. If we think about it, again, uh, if you're familiar with, like, there's a Gartner study by Neil McDonald, and, uh, and basically he said that, like, DevOps practices will be embedded in 60% of rapid development teams. So if you want to deploy faster, um, you know, as opposed to, like, 20% in 2020, 2019, 
basically, if you want to deploy faster, you have to kind of think about embedding these things before. And the companies that we've seen fail at this are just like, okay, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm thinking about this after the fact. I'm just going to get my code deployed. So that's the second piece. Yeah. And then the, the, the third one, again, is just not, you know, trying to put too many solutions in place. Like, you know, like having four different tools that are eating up your resources that all, like we talked about, it can't be unobtrusive. You can't be the person putting all these things. Like I, I've seen it where they, you know, they wanted to have, you know, a vulnerability scanner. They wanted to have a virus scanner and in, in a container. And I'm like, why? It makes zero sense. Like if there's, you know, there's signatures being created, just make sure that the code that's going in there, you know, has sub level of vulnerability scanning. So it's like trying to do too much within the environment, treating it like it is a you know legacy host. You need to use new tools. You need to have, you know, these again, unobtrusive tools that are letting folks do development, but are also embedding that security. So those are the three things I would say are mistakes that I've seen with a lot of large organizations. But again, the 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 really amazing organizations are, are thinking about this. They know that they can move much more faster by incorporating these these, you know, uh these things into into their kind of workflows yeah no it's good stuff it's uh and it's always good to kind of get some experience from from the folks that are that are living with the people in the trenches that have been helping folks do this um dan this has been this has been great we always love to dig into security topics because neither aaron and i uh by any means are are security people um if folks want to pick your brain uh you know obviously maybe listen to the podcast or just pick your brain about some of this what's the best way to uh to reach you or find out where you're you're doing podcasts and talks and other stuff so, you know, I'm, we, we have us on cystic.com. We have a bunch of webinars. If you know, like I, we have a way, a lot of experts that would talk through a lot of the stuff I'm, you know, again, when I'm doing, you know, work with the, with cystic, it's, you know, it's most, most of the time doing a lot of like, you know, specific, you know, customer engagements. Cause that's, I'm a field CTO, yeah. but, um, you know, in terms of talks, I mean, I, I used to do them all the time at a, right. a bunch of like meetups. So now obviously we can't do them, but you know, if there's ever, you know, you need to definitely get in touch with me you know we have our you know assisting.com if you also you can sign up for a trial there of the thing i talked about essentials uh we're offering 30-day free trials if you want to kick the uh, excuse me 14-day free trials if you want to kick the tires you can do that as well very cool um but yeah i mean you know uh pop is pretty simple pop at cystic.com if you ever need anything Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Well, listen, it was great having you on. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of the show. So uh, even though, you know, I know folks have limited amount of time and we love having them on this show, um, you know, go go give uh, Popcast a, a try. It's a lot of good stuff. Very, very smart folks. You will learn you will learn more than you uh, more than you have in, in 30 or 60 minutes. So good stuff, Dan. Thank you for being on, folks. As always, thank you for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for giving us feedback on iTunes and other places where you get the show. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 